This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. I fear God and God alone. There's been times when I pushed it aside. There's been many times, when I be honest with you, I like to be transparent. There's been times that you want to give up, throw in the towel. But God never let me. He doesn't let me. Because I fear, and this should be for all of us, I fear being out of his will to end his will. And I'm not going to let man destroy that. As Christians in our world today, It can be easy to feel pushed into leaving God's promises behind. When you're at your lowest and want to take the easy way out, how do you overcome? In today's message, Pastor Eddie wants you to know that no matter how tempting the world's promises are, God's truths always prevail. Remain faithful to what matters most and invested in the only thing that will save you, God's free gift of grace. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 as he continues his message. Take heed to your ministry. Worry is a sign that you have no faith. Could be concerned is one thing, don't get me wrong. But sometimes people, they'll say, oh, it's concerned. No, <laughs> it seems that... You worry. Do you really trust in God? Do you really trust in the Lord? And so one who is born again, obviously was saved by faith, but ought to live in faith. How does one set the example of faith and trusting in God? Timothy, you need to show this, that you trust in the Lord. You know, there are many great godly men and women of faith throughout history. And I love the one with George Mueller. I recommend you get his book. He was a man of prayer. True story. He, he had an orphanage. And in the orphanage, sometimes it was so bad. There were so many kids, but not enough money to, to, to pay for food. The lady who helped George Mueller with the children in the orphanage She said, George, we don't have food for tonight's dinner. He tells her, gather the kids at the table to pray. I'm kind of paraphrasing the story, but she's saying, you know, I don't know if you got what I was saying. We have no food. Have the kids sit on the table. Let's pray. As they were sitting on the table and they were praying, a knock comes on the door. I said, excuse me, um, I understand this is an orphanage, but... The wheel on my delivery truck for milk just broke. It's going to get spoiled. Do you want milk? Sure, bring in the milk. A few minutes later, another knock. Excuse me, I have plenty of bread. If I save it, it's going to go away. (laughs) Bring the bread. And you see, that's what God does. But you see, you never experience that. But most of the time, we always... It's good that we, we, we glorify God when we see God does something incredible, miraculous, answering prayer as we do on Wednesday nights. But many times we, can't, we don't allow God 
to do it in our lives because we don't have faith. Okay, it's great. He had faith. Oh, wow, praise the Lord. Yeah. How come God doesn't do anything? Well, because are you praying? Do you trust in the Lord? We need to send example and faith. And here, this is what Paul's telling. You know, you need to have faith. Be a leader. Send an example for those older people there. Show them that you, you know, you be faithful. You be faithful. Set an example. And set an example in faith. Not only trusting in the Lord, but it could also carry the idea, the second meaning for this in faith could be to be faithful in his ministry as well. Which we are called to be faithful. Whether you're a leader or pastor or whether you're just serving in a children's ministry or or you're cleaning up the church. It's being faithful. God sees all that. The sixth example, he's to give impurity. Impurity. Now, purity in the Greek is the Greek word hagenia. Hagenia, you can almost speak it in English, is hygiene. And it means clean, moral purity. But it also comes from the root word where we get the word agios, holiness, set apart. And it all comes together because we are to be separated, holy unto God. The Lord said, be holy, for I am holy, means set apart, okay, from the world, from the things of the world. But to be, to be pure, impurity. So Timothy, passionately, to set the example in this area of being pure, uh, sexual matters in thought or even in action. And to be pure, we represent God. Now... Paul, in verse 12, gave this command, and, and in this command is to give an example, and, and the examples in the areas of, in the word, conduct, and love, and spirit, faith, and purity. Now he gives him the third command in verse 13. Let's look at verse 13. He says, till I come, here it is, give attention. In other words, give heed. Give heed, to, uh, Timothy. Give attention to what, Paul? Let's read on. Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, a good minister, a good pastor, and leader, uh, a teacher gives full attention, focus on these three areas. Number one, reading, exhortation, and doctrine. The reading of scripture, exhortation of scripture, and doctrine, the, the doctrine that's in scripture. Number one, we are to read it. You know, throughout church history, even during the time when Paul is writing, even before Paul in the synagogue, there was something that's considered public reading. They would read publicly. They would open up a passage in scripture. If you remember the time when Jesus went in the synagogue and they had all these scrolls and, and the way it was set up, they didn't read in order. It was set up that they would pull out any kind of scroll. Randomly, Jesus pulled out a scroll, and he says, the Lord has called me to preach good news to the poor. And, then he, and after Jesus read it, this is being fulfilled before your eyes. I'm sorry I kind of botched that up, but it's not in my notes. But Isaiah, he's fulfilling a prophecy that he came to preach good news to the Lord. The, Holy, the, 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 the Spirit of God is upon me, that's what it is, to preach good news to the poor. And it's fulfilling a messianic prophecy. And he just randomly took, I mean, Jesus knows what he's doing. But they would do that in the synagogue. They would read. Even when Paul, the apostle, remember Paul, if you study his life, his ministry, his missionary journey, first, second, third, and some consider a fourth one, but he would always go to a synagogue first. And the way the synagogue would operate is that they would read a passage, a scroll, take a scroll and just read a passage. And then they would share and they would speak. So public reading was important, and that's important for us. As a matter of fact, when 
Paul went to visit a synagogue in Antioch of Pasada in Acts chapter 13, verse 15. It says, and after the reading of the law and the prophets, this they were reading. Paul sitting inside the sanctuary. The rulers of the synagogue sent to them saying, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. In other words, hey, we have special guests here. And they're pointing to Paul and all that company Paul after they read. So it was a practice that they would read. And so they asked Paul to share something after they read. They read exhortation. It should still be carried on today. But saints, that is what we do every day. What do we do before we go verse by verse study? We read the passage, right? That is exactly why I read the passage to the reading and then exhortation. That's what we do. We study God's word verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Some people say book by book. The other way, I say it backwards because I'm a backward guy. But book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We study the word through observation, interpretation, application. How do I know how to apply? Well, first, let's, let's observe the text. Let's read it. Let's, let's read what's there. Because quite often people put things in there that's not there. Or they exclude what's there. So we read the text, observation and interpretation. Now we interpret some of these things. We'll look at culture. We'll look at cross-references. We look at Hebrew and Greek uh, words so we could get a full understanding. So we did the observation. We did the interpretation. Now, what do I do with this ancient book? How do I apply that to my life today? So the reading and then the exhortation. That's to encourage, to obey, and follow the scripture. And thirdly, in doctrine, teaching, instructing the word of God. Good, biblical, uh, solid doctrine that's in the word. That's why Paul's been saying this from the very beginning. They're false teachers giving you all kinds of doctrines of demons, you remember? Need to be careful. Now we get to this. Those were the fourth, fifth, and sixth command. Here's the seventh command in, in verse 14. He goes on to say, do not neglect the gift that is in you. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. And before we get to gifts, you know, people are so caught up. Oh, me, 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 Lord, I want to be blessed. What's my blessing? What's my gift, Lord? Me, 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 me. The reality is that every believer in Jesus Christ, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, you are born again, you are Christian, you have been given a gift. Every single one of us. Every single one of us has given a gift. Now, this gift is not so much a personal gift where it's just for you. No, the gifts are given so that you can serve and minister others. It's never a gift for yourself. And many would love that. But no, the gifts that God gives you, it could be anything. Gift of hospitality, the gift of studying the word, teaching the word, the gift of serving. You know, there's so many gifts and every single one of us are giving gifts by Christ. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, As each one has received a gift, here it is. Why we got it? Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That's why gifts are given to us. It's to serve. Now you may say to yourself, What is my gift? You may ask. I'm gonna answer that question with another question. Where are you serving? Where are you ministering in the body of Christ? That's the question. You would never know your gift if you're not serving. There's no, no such thing as a Christian who does not serve. <laughs> that, doesn't make, that does not make sense. Because our master, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he said, the son of man came not to be served, but what? To serve. 
How is it that our master serves and we are not serving? We're to serve. When we get to heaven, you know, those of us who have been born again, yes, you enter the kingdom of heaven because of Jesus Christ, not because of anything you've done. But the question would probably be asked, uh, what did you do while you were down there? Well, I was building up my portfolio, building up my kingdom. I added an addition to my house, by the way. Really looked, It looked nice. You know, what is it that you have done where you could put on the table, you know, when we go to that beam of seat of Christ, all that we have done for the Lord. So there is a gift. And he, now Paul is just bringing this attention. He said, remember, Timothy, that gift. And look at it, verse 14 again. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of the elders. The scriptures does not tell us when this took place or how it took place. However, Paul brings it to surface. Now, I've been around many different church circles, okay? The name and acclaim it, blabbing and grab it, you know, shaking and bake it kind of people. I've been through the word of faith, the hyper, hyper faith. I've been to a Pentecostal. I've been to so many, and they actually abuse this laying of hands. They love the laying of hands. It makes it look holy. Oh, here it is. You ready? You got it? You know, it's as if that in itself, there's no power in the laying hands of itself. It must be consistent with the word of God. And they do it as they're going to transform, like automatically, some, something magically is going to transform something from that person and give it to that because they lay hands. It's the same way that people say, well, Lord, I asked for it. You said anything in your name. If I ask, you give it. <laughs> right? That's been abused. But in the same way, the laying of hands, people think, okay, here's the laying of hands. It looks holy, and all of a sudden, something's going to happen. It made it official. And there's an abuse of that practice, but the laying of hands has no power in itself. Laying of hands is only used by God when it is done in agreement with the word of God. When we lay hands on, on leaders, deeds, it's for us to be in agreement. It's the word of God. We follow the word of God. And that's what the scripture tells us to do. So we lay hands because the scripture tells us to do that. Later on, we're going to find out that Paul's going to tell Timothy, do not be quick to lay hands. Because there's an agreement between the church, that individual in the church ministry. But the laying of hands has gone way, way, way out of hand, and, and churches, some people use that as a practice that that's going to do it. So when, like for us, when we ordain someone, number one, the position, is it biblical? They fit the qualifications, they fit the requirements, and then number two, we lay the hands. That's to indicate our partnership in the ministry. There's an agreement. That's the case with Timothy. It's to confirm, you know, what the gifts that were given to him, what was given to him to serve, to teach, so Paul's saying, listen, most likely he's, Paul's referring to his teaching, being a leader. So he said, listen, Timothy, don't forget the gifts that are in you. You remember that time when they laid hands on you? It confirmed you as to be a, a leader, a teacher. Don't forget that. Quite often, we forget. Now, the eighth commandment, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them. In other words, Give complete attention to these matters. You don't focus on them. Focus on being an example in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Give yourself to the reading, to the exhortation, to the doctrine. Meditate on these things. Meditate on the calling in your life. At the end of verse 15, he says, why? That your progress 
may be evident to all. You see, Timothy, regardless if they look at you as a young man, your ministry, your calling would be confirmed by doing the following. Set an example, right? In word, in conduct, love, and spirit, right? Do that. Give to the reading, to the exhortation, and to the doctrine. Do that. Remember your calling. You do all these things, and what's going to happen at the end of verse 15? That your progress may be evident to all, just by being faithful to these things. So they may question, they say, you know what? He was a young man, but guess what? He set the example, all right? He did read the scriptures. He did exhort them. And boy, did he learn. Boy, he's been really learning from the apostle Paul. And he hasn't done the, the doctrine. The doctrine itself, you know, that's been taken apart. That's just what Paul's been telling Timothy from the very beginning. The doctrine of the word of God. And, and that goes for all of us. If God has called you somewhere, you be faithful with that. Regardless of what people say. Regardless of what people say, you be faithful with that. Because the fruit of your ministry will be proof that, hey, you were called. They will be questioned. They will question his youth. His youth. They will question you know, his background. Timothy, you stay the course. You do exactly what I tell you to do. Be obedient to that. Love the Lord. Love the people. Teach the word. And the fruit of it will come out. They will see it. I can't tell you. I say in my 20 plus years in ministry, there's only been a few people that have questioned, you know, my calling. Just a few. But, you know, I never cared about that because I have to answer to God. I fear God and God alone. There's been times when I pushed it aside. There's been many times, would I be honest with you? I like to be transparent. There's been times that you want to give up, throw in the towel. But God never let me. He doesn't let me. Because I fear, and this should be for all of us, I fear being out of his will to end his will. And I'm not going to let man destroy that. And I've said this in the past when I was at a church in the city. I said, even if everybody in the church leaves, I'm still going to stay the course. The only one person that if this one person left the church, I will leave too, and that's my wife. Other than that, I stayed the course. God would not let me. It was by his grace that he sustained me, allowed me to stay the course, to lay aside the weight, and like I always say, run the race, stay the course. Run the race, stay the course. So Paul writes to Timothy that your progress may be evident. And saints... Though Paul, again, he's writing to pastors and leaders, this is applicable for, uh, for all of us. You just keep loving Jesus, loving people, your brothers, sisters in Christ. You be faithful. You set the example, and you would see the fruit. And anyone that's judged you in the past, they won't be in the picture anymore. <laughs> I don't mean death. I mean, they won't be bothering anymore. They're going to say, wow, I think I was wrong. I was wrong. But when you know that you know that you know that God has called you somewhere to serve somewhere, you be faithful to that regardless of what comes your way. And let me tell you, when you're doing the will of God, the enemy hates you, hates the ministry. He will do anything to distract you and, and have you give up. But you be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Verse 16, he says, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine in other words, keep close, watch out how you live your life, set the example. No matter what the older people say, take heed to yourself 
Pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention to the doctrine. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for by doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. This is important. You remain faithful in doing this and what God has called you. And by doing that, you will save yourself and others. This is not saving faith. You're already saved. This is talking about saving yourself. Read it in context. What did he say in the top of verse 16? Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. If you follow false doctrine, you won't be saved. You'll probably end up departing. Remember, we talked about that. But you save yourself from false teachers. You save yourself from false doctrines. And if you stay in the word of God, you be faithful to the ministry he's called you. Stay in the doctrine. Any false doctrines you know is not true because you study the word of God. And by doing so, you won't fall into false doctrines. And those that are listening to you, those that are your disciples, those that you're ministering to, they too will not fall into false doctrine because you're teaching them the truth. And so it's important. It applies to all of us, not only to teachers and pastors. Remain faithful. Remain faithful in the Lord. The Lord's call you, whatever it is. Children's ministry, worship team, sound, whatever it is that we do in the house of God, you remain faithful. You, you remain faithful in setting the example in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Remain faithful in those. He set an example in those areas. Represent Christ. Be his ambassador in this world. Secondly, you remain faithful in reading the word, ex exhorting the word of God, and doctrine the word of God. And when you do that, you, they will see your progress. They will see that, hey, this person is a man and woman of God. They love God. They fear God. They are obedient to the word, and they know their Bible. One thing for sure. One thing for sure. There are a lot of Christians out here, and they will know who you are by how much you study the word. And they will say, you know, I, I know that guy, John, but you know what? I know a lot of Christians, but he knows his word. He knows his Bible. He doesn't brag about it, but he knows his Bible. One thing I know that people could say about this church, there's a lot of churches all over. Oh, this church this, this church that. They always talk about churches. But one thing they cannot say, one thing they could say, you know, one thing about that church up that hill called Calvary Chapel is that they teach the word. That's a reputation that we would not lose because we are being faithful to what God has called us to do. And the same should be for you. Be obedient, be faithful, stay the course. Don't let no one distract you or the enemy. Amen. Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's leading us through a study of 1 Timothy, a letter of Paul that's filled with practical tips for living and leading. In 1 Timothy 4, 15 through 16, Paul wrote to Timothy, Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Timothy was a young pastor who was mentored and taught by Paul and rose above many adversities. Maybe as you're listening today, you're a young person in a difficult situation. Don't forget these words of Paul. Consistent prayer and time in God's Word is not only healthy for you, 
but will save everyone who hears you. Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to runningtheraceradio.com. Once again, that's runningtheraceradio.com. Once you're there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We would love to invite you to come and see us Sunday morning. And for those of you who are further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. Well, thank you for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together, but we'll be back again next time with Pastor Eddie right here on Running the Race.